Today at the Radio Backyard Fence, a story of hope, a story of transformation, a marriage that has every reason to not exist because of the dysfunction and the infidelity and the lying and the drug and alcohol abuse and a whole lot more. If you are in a troubled marriage, I want you to hear from Tim and Kathy today. They are front and center for a conversation from the heart to the heart for the heart that wants you to experience the kind of transformation that they have experienced. This is Chris Fabry Live online at chrisfabrylive.org. Let me thank our team behind the scenes. Ryan McConaughey is doing all things technical. Trish is our producer in the chair today. Anthony will be answering your calls. We have four days left. If you've been meaning to support this program in February and you have put it off, don't you dare wait. Call or click through today. Our thank you is a resource designed to help someone else find the kind of transformation that our guests have found in their lives today. Ron Hutchcraft wrote a book called A Life That Matters to help you become the ambassador to your world where God has placed you. There's so many practical helps in here, like the three open prayer that we've talked about. Do you know what that is? There's help for you to be able to share with confidence what God has done in your own heart, all while leaving the results up to Him at work in that other person's life. Let me send you a copy of it, A Life That Matters. Give a gift of any size at chrisfabrylive.org. You can scroll down and see it right there, Chris Fabry, F-A-B-R-Y. ChrisFabryLive.org, or you can call 866-95-FABRY. Did I say we only have four days left? <laughs> I don't want you to miss this. 866-953-2279. And thanks for supporting what we do together here at the Radio Backyard Fence. You're going to hear a good story today. This is, and, and when I saw the uh, title of the book, I almost said no, because this is, you know, middle of the day, moody radio. Tim and Kathy Bush have been married since 1982. They are the proud parents of three children, three in-law children, eight grandchildren, and a dog. They share their story at marriage conferences and retreats around the country. You should see all the people who, it's a who's who of uh, famous married people who uh, blurb this book. They founded War Room Ministries to help strengthen men, marriages, families, and churches Our featured resource today is the book, Sex on the First Date, a story of a broken beginning to a radically transformed marriage. I'll I'll individually welcome you. Tim Bush, welcome to the program. How are you doing today? Really good. Thanks for having us, Chris. Kathy, you doing all right? Yep, I'm doing great. Excited to be here. Joining us from Coronado, from the island in California. I am glad you wrote this story because it is is it's like unlike any other marriage book that I've seen uh, in a way there's a, there's a lot of marriage books that go through memoir and here's what happened and this is what happened but I've never seen the depth uh, it told to this depth and vulnerability uh who Tim who who did was that all Kathy was that all you well the depth and uh, we, we we it's an it's a god thing it's an obedience thing we knew for what God did in our marriage, we had literally no choice but to share with others because we really felt our story is pretty clear that if our marriage can be redeemed and if our marriage can be thriving like it is now from where it was for so many years, almost almost three decades, that we believe that 
every marriage has the opportunity to be like this. And it, yes. it's very clear to us. So we share that all across the country. And Kathy, I said it at the beginning, but there's a lot of reasons why you two shouldn't have made it to 42 years, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Many reasons, many reasons. But, you know, we say for those first 27 years when there was no Christ, that there was not one day that we both said, let's get a divorce. There was always one of us that was willing to fight for the marriage in those 27 years. When you say that, Kathy, fight for the marriage, what does that mean? It meant that we were, we were searching for something. We were, we were wanting something better. And so when one of us had given up, the other one was wanting the marriage. And so, we, you know, we, we were not only putting, as you listed, all the bad things in there, we were also putting good things in there. We were trying all kinds of things from self-help. We went to the Gottman Institute. You know, we were in and out of counselors. So it was not only the, the drugs and the alcohol and the infidelity that was part of the search, but it was also trying to put some good things in there. Yeah. So try, But trying to fill this vacuum, this void, the hole in the soul, as they call it, right, Tim? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was definitely a hole in the soul. We, uh, it, from, the, from how I was raised um, and, and the brokenness and all that, I just was not good marriage material. And I never really had anybody, especially a man, that was pouring into me on how to be a good man. I mean, I'm, I, I, I understood the work part, and I understood not being lazy and and success and all those things, but not how to treat a woman uh, as a gift from God, because I didn't understand that. Not really anything on how to treat a woman other than more so as uh, as an employee or possession or something like that. Mm-hmm. Nothing that would honor God in, today, in how I believe today. But back then it was, it was totally different because I just didn't know any different. And that's one of the things I told you I, I need to talk with you about is that idea of you were a boy in a man's body. You were, you were, it's all about you basically. And for you to wake up, what did it take you to wake up from that? Was that an ex, was that an internal thing, an external thing or both same time? Well, it was, it was, it was actually multiple things. Um, it, it, the, the scriptures say that every knee will bow and it just took me a really long time until I was almost 50 years old. I'm 62 now, so I was 47. I share this at all of our marriage conferences with men, whether it's a large event or even it's a one-on-one. It doesn't really matter. I share with guys how my successes are a little different than what you think. Cause a lot of guys will want to, they're attracted to my business ability, and I'll just say, hey, I made millions of dollars. I made babies. I had sex in and out of marriage. So in the worldview, I was very successful, but I was 100% a boy in a man's body because everything I did was selfish, childish, and all for me. I mean, everything I did, I would say it was for my family or it was for my wife. But honestly, when I really look at it, 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 really looking at it, 100%, it was all for me. And, and it was very selfish how I lived and very kind of scary in a lot of ways. I'm lucky to be alive in some ways, some of the things I did. Uh, Kathy, that's one of the things, though, that attracted you to him, that here was a a man who would be able to take care of you and provide, and you wouldn't have to worry about a whole lot of things, right? Right. That's that's exactly what attracted me to him, because 
I was looking, like my future for me was going to be, I was going to get married, have a husband and be a mom. Like that was, that's what I always wanted. That's kind of how I was raised. And so when I met Tim, I definitely thought he was a man because he had a, he had a really good job. He had cars, he had a house. And I thought he can, this is a guy that would really be able to provide for me and take care of me. So that's what really attracted me to Tim. I guarantee you, if your marriage is struggling right now, you may listen to Tim and Kathy's story and say, wow, there's a whole lot of dysfunction there. And look at all of that, you know, that went on. But the more I read their story, the more I saw myself and how messed up every family is in some way. And if your marriage began on a rocky kind of what wasn't based on uh, of scripture, and it wasn't based on uh, the, the things that God wants for you, but something else. I want you to hear what they have to say. They've written a book about it with Lisa Stilwell, Sex on the First Date, a story of a broken beginning to a radically transformed marriage. We'll open the phone lines too for them if you have a question or a comment at 877-548-3675. More with Tim and Kathy straight ahead. guest today, Kathy and Tim Bush. They are um, also Family Life Affiliate staff. They share their story at Art of Marriage events across the country. Founders of War Room Ministries. We have a link to that at chrisfabrylive.org. And we have a link to the book where they've told their story, Sex on the First Date. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a question here, and for the parents, of, uh, if you have kids in the in the car and you don't want to hear a question about sex, you got to turn the radio, <laughs> turn the radio off now. But I think this is really pivotal for your marriage story. There's a story that you tell at the very beginning, Tim, where you and Kathy have been intimate that morning. You feel great about it. You go out, and get in the car, and you go, and you think, I want to go back there and you know give her a hug and a kiss again, say goodbye to her. And she, at the same time, she's on the phone with, with somebody else and you hear this, some other guy, and you hear this and it's clear that she didn't feel the same way about that intimacy, that intimate thing that happened between you that you felt. So my question is, has there be, has there been a difference between the sex that you had on the first date and, and, you know, up until the time of the transformation, that and that intimacy that happened afterward, Tim, for you first. Well, it was, uh, first off the feelings, we put them in the book. Actually, there's a call out box there. That's thanks from to Dennis Rainey. He recommended that he loved the book, but he wanted us to know how we felt. And we, we share that, how we both felt in those, in those areas like that. But I can tell you, I thought things were great that morning. And then when I caught her on the phone, I thought finally to myself, I just had enough. I wasn't going to be able to make it in the marriage. And I really felt like, Chris, that it was God getting back at me for all the things I'd done and not told Kathy. And that there was no way that we were going to make it because that was, it was just, I was never going to tell her. I was told by somebody I trusted and really respected that you take these kind of things to the grave and you just live with them. And that's, you, you do the things and you just live with them. And so that's what I was going to do. And, and, 
and, but ultimately, once all this stuff came out, the freedom in sex and marriage is so amazing. I mean, God created it, nothing to be ashamed of. And I can tell you where we're at now at 42 years of marriage and where we were then at 25 at that time, so 17 years ago, and even in our 20s, it's so amazingly better in every way because we have the invasion of the Holy Spirit there all the way. And we, and, and we know God created it. We know it's good. And, and, we, and the funny thing is we never even talked about sex in our first 30 years of marriage ever. We find out a lot of really? couples don't do that. Even in our small group, we find out that couples don't do it. Now we talk about it quite often. And so it's kind of funny what you talk about and bring to the Lord's feet just seems to be better. Kathy, what do you say about that? Well, I think the biggest thing is when when you look back to that first chapter of the book and and what Tim's response was was it was good sex. That's where that's where he was coming from and as far as being intimate, our, it was not it was not intimacy for both of us at that point, it was sex. And for me because and and Tim usually says this there was so much selfishness and there was and there was selfishness on my part because I didn't know how to talk about sex. I didn't know how to explain how I was feeling. But there's a total difference when you are filled with the Holy Spirit and like Tim said, realizing that sex is a gift from God, realizing that you treat intimacy in your relationship the same way you treat every part of your relationship is 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 you become selfless. And so sex totally changes, and it went from just having sex for us to total intimacy and truly enjoying that gift that God has given us. So there's a, it's a night and day difference, just like every single part of our marriage. It sounds like then, Kathy, you, you had indiscretions through the years that you pretty quickly, other than that phone call that, that he caught you at, that you confessed to him. Is that right? Yes. And I think that for me, I couldn't, I, I've carried so much guilt with those. And, you know, I think that came from, I was raised in the church. I still didn't have a personal relationship with Christ, but when those, because I still did these things, but what I was doing is I was on the search. I was on the, and I was on the search for somebody that was going to fill that gap that I wasn't getting in my marriage. And so I would easily there there were relationships that I would fall in love with the men because I, it was all about how I was feeling. And so, but I couldn't live, I couldn't carry that guilt, and so I would always confess these things to Tim, which was really, what was really hard about that was I didn't know what he was doing. And I always wondered, why was he taking me back? Why was he allowing this to happen in our marriage? Because I didn't know what was going on with him. Mm. Did you ever feel like you had married the wrong person, Kathy? Oh, oh all the time. <laughs> that was this all the time. There's a song that's that's called "It's Sad to Belong to Someone Else When the Right One Comes Along." Like I felt like that was my song. I every time I'd meet another man, I gave his heart to him. I thought, man, I have married the wrong person. I felt that many, many times. Do you feel that way now? No. <laughs> no, that's a lie that the world tells us because that's ran on your feelings. And the thing is, is when you marry and you make that covenant with your husband and with God, that is the right man for you. I don't believe that there is, it doesn't say anything in scripture 
about there's that one person for you, there's that soulmate, that is a lie that the world is telling us. And I know I was believing that lie for so many years, but no, I don't, I, I, I know that Tim is the right person. I, I know that you could make it work with many different people, but Tim is the man I married, and I have a covenant with him, and we will be, we will be married till death do us part. And and our marriage at this point, after all we've gone through, it's thriving. I want you to speak, Tim, to the man who's listening today, who has what you have, who had in your past, and that is indiscretions, affairs, uh, you know, a, a lot, a lot of, a lot of stuff that you had never told, and you were hanging on to it. And you weren't going to tell her because in some ways you thought that was the kinder thing to do. You don't want to hurt her. So you just stuff it and hold on to it. That finally bubbled over, didn't it? It did. I, I, well, it got so bad. I was. I talked about being brought to my knees. I mean this. Figured I, that's what happened. After, after a series of deaths and different things like that, I started suffering with anxiety and depression. And the weight got so heavy on me that I couldn't even work anymore. This workaholic guy that worked 15, 18 hours a day and had several businesses, I couldn't work. And so I turned to alcohol and drugs, both prescription and non-prescription, so illegal and not, illegal and legal as well, I'll call it. And I contemplated suicide because I thought that was my only way out. And ultimately... Um, it took me to my knees where I was debilitated and couldn't come off my knees. And I ended up having to tell Kath everything. And uh, and I didn't want to do that because I thought I would lose her. But I actually went to a counselor that said, if you don't tell her, I, I believe that you're going to lose your life because you, you're not, you can't carry it anymore. And I just didn't have the power to do it myself. And, and I, I would tell any guy you need to look in the mirror in your relationship and how you can work on yourself to be a better man, be the man God wants you to be, be the husband, be the lover, be the, be the person that loves your wife and, and willing to die for her. And in order to do that, you have to clean some things up. And I would say, don't let that, don't let another day go by because what, there's so much at stake. Your, your kids, your grandkids, and maybe even generations you don't even know could be at stake from the things that you do to make your marriage thrive. And any marriage can thrive if they're willing to invest in it. But the enemy will tell you, especially as a man, you don't do, you don't tell, you don't, you keep this in, keep this a secret, keep it hidden. Because once you get it out, then think about what people are going to think of you and, and the standing in the community. And she's not, she's going to leave you, et cetera, et cetera. So you you follow along with that, and you lead that leads you toward death, doesn't it? Well, it sure does, and that's the great deceiver in it. Uh, there's no freedom in that either. You're totally bound up. You have you have no life really. You're so you're so bound up to the point where it made me sick, and it made me have the anxiety. And I had been suffering anxiety from in my 20s a little bit and a little bit more and a little bit more. And I would handle it either with a drink or working out or a couple drinks and more working out. I had ways I would deal with it until I just couldn't deal with it anymore. Yeah. And it got so heavy. The burden was so heavy. I couldn't hold on to it anymore. So that's, that's how bad it can get. And I believe it can get that bad for anybody. And that's pro- there's a lot of guys that deal with anxiety. And since I've shared my story now thousands of times, um, literally, I mean, to thousands of people, I should say, um, you'll hear 
hear guys say, I've talked about suicide too, because I get those calls too. And I, and I, I, I always know it's because there's things they've kept inside that's killing them. Yes. The other side of that though, is her response to it or, and this could be from the, the wife to the husband as well. But um, what I see happening a lot of times is the man will have this stuff bottled up. He'll go and he'll finally say, okay, I've got to, uh, you know, back up the dump truck and then expect her to give him a big hug and thank him for being honest for the first time in 25 years. And Kathy, from your perspective, when he backed up the dump truck, you didn't feel that you didn't feel like hugging, right? No, not, not right away. Definitely not. And when he told me, when he explained how bad he was with his anxiety and not being able to work, he was in, he was not the man who had been with me before that was so controlling. That control was all gone. And so as Tim was telling me these things, my heart was actually going out to him because I was actually looking at realizing that he had been carrying these things for so many years and to me, I felt like our marriage was, was looking, it was looking clearer than it had ever looked to me, like it was finally making sense. And through a time of processing, I realized that now we have a place to go. Like, we're at the very bottom, we, everything's out, and we can start to build this relationship. Because we had been in counseling straight for two years, and he didn't tell me any of it during that two years in counseling. And I felt like through those two years that we had, we had worked some, a lot of things out and grown, and, but then when I found this out, it was like I truly felt like, okay, we can start now rebuilding this marriage because everything's out. Like, that, like Tim talked about, that bondage that he was feeling. The bond, when you release all of your secrets, that bondage is released. And then through the power of Christ that came into our marriage, that freedom that we were fighting for for so many years, like we totally all of a sudden had complete freedom in our marriage. Yes. You know, this is really interesting because I, <laughs> it, it's kind of funny to go this, this direction with it, but when we had a, a, a program, uh, we've done several programs on decluttering, decluttering your life. <laughs> and one of the, the guests, one of the things that she said was, you got to get it, you got to clean it out. It's like if you're, if it's your closet or your office desk, you got to get everything off of there so you can see what you have in order to know what you have to put back or what you want to put back there. And it's the same way it sounds like in your relationship that you had to clean both of your closets out to be able to, to get to that bare place to see, well, what is God going to do here? Now, we haven't talked about that, about what, about God being in there, because I know, Tim, you grew up in a, in a family that had a lot of divorce and a lot of, you know, step uh, family, step parents that you dealt with. Um, and, and religion really wasn't that big. But when you saw Kathy, it was a church girl. That was something that you thought, oh, I, I'd like that, right? I totally did, Christy. I'm, my mom being married nine times, my dad five, and then my grandparents adopting me, and at 18, them getting a divorce after 37 years of marriage. I was attracted to Kath and her stability in her family. She was a church girl. I thought all my wild ways that I'd learned, all the things I'd learned, there was a way for me to maybe change. And um, But the thing is, once Kath got pregnant, um, she wasn't as much fun anymore, and I started in those wild ways. Again, even before we got married, 
But then I knew that after we got married, I would stop doing that. But that didn't happen. I, that same self just was still there because there was no, there was no change. There was no, there was no repentance because I hadn't found the Lord yet, and that that took me about almost thirty years. So yes. it's, uh, it was one of those things that I just didn't get there because I had, I had, I didn't know how to get there, and I and I thought I went to church all these years, one point three times a month, twelve times a year plus Christmas and Easter. I thought that because I went to church and believed in God, that that was good. And I mean, I would even take communion, and my thought of communion back then was that would wipe away my sins. Well, of course, I didn't understand any of that, and I went there for those reasons. But bottom line is, I had no relationship with Jesus, and it, and it wasn't in me growing up, and it wasn't in me in my first 27 years of marriage. All right, we're going to hear about that in the next segment. And again, I'm going to open the phone lines. If if maybe you are right here and you hear part of your story in Tim and Kathy's story, 877-548-3675. Our featured resource today is their book that's highly recommended and forwarded by Dennis and Barbara Rainey. It's titled Sex on the First Date, A Story of a Broken Beginning to a Radically Transformed Marriage. And if you're listening and you have a lot of baggage that you haven't confessed to somebody else, I want you to hear the next segment of our story and the difference God can make in a marriage and in an individual's life. Again, our number is 877-548-3675. You'll find our featured resource right there at chrisfabrylive.org and a link to War Room Ministries as well. I love a story about broken people finding healing. That's what we're hearing today with Tim and Kathy Bush. Let me mention another story that will encourage you. Garrett and Anna, they were both 17 when they found out Anna was pregnant. What do we do? How is the family going to react? How will our friends react? They called a local pregnancy center, and through that contact, they found a little bit of hope. They received relationship advice fatherhood coaching for Garrett, pregnancy classes, and then came the birth of little Emma Grace. Garrett became an 18-year-old husband and father. Wasn't easy. But today, 15 years later, he says it was the greatest experience of his life. That kind of hope and help goes on through CareNet every day. Somebody you know needs the ministry of CareNet in their lives. Click the green CareNet button at chrisfabrylive.org. You can find out more. There's a free download of how to talk with friends and family members who may lean toward the pro-choice side of things. I think it'll be encouraging to you as well. Go to chrisfabrylive.org. Click the green CareNet button today. Tim and Kathy Bush have written Sex on the First Date, and you'll find out why if you read the book. It's a story of a broken beginning to a radically transformed marriage. So let's get to Jesus. Kathy, you tell me, what difference did Jesus make, and how did that come about in your life? Well, Jesus made a huge difference. I mean, like I said before, it was like from from light to dark, like literally. And there was a lot of things coming, building up to this 
but I think the biggest the biggest thing that happened when is when Tim was at his lowest, and a really good friend of his recommended that he start reading the Bible. Well, at this point, Tim was having so ba- so much anxiety and depression. He had actually gone and bought a Bible, and I was watching Tim at home, and he was kind of like speed reading through the Bible, and he would have his drink in one hand, and he was reading the Bible. And so he told his friend, I'm reading the Bible, and I'm not getting anything out of it. And so um, Bob said to him, why don't you slow down, and why don't you start in Proverbs and start reading a chapter a day? And so a couple weeks later, Tim came to me and asked me if I would start reading the Bible with him. And up to this point, we had, as Tim said, we were in and out of church, but we had never really, we had not read the Bible together. We had not read the Bible, period. And so I, when Tim asked me to read the Bible with him, I tell people, and especially men need to hear this, hear this like this is the sexiest thing that my husband had ever done. It was like the first time I felt like he was leading me in a godly way. And I said, of course, I will read the Bible with you. So we started reading the Bible. We had started to slow down in our drinking. We had been in counseling, and our our counselors kept saying, you guys have a drinking problem, you need to quit drinking, but we weren't ready to let go of that. And so through the process of reading the Bible and then coming to a place of let's quit drinking, is when God's Word came alive to us and things started changing. And so that was like the, that was the beginning, and I know that I was saved through God's Word. That's how it happened for me. Wow. Okay, I've got to interject in here, though. When you were first married, because he's an entrepreneur, because he's very good at business and everything, he was very controlling of you. He would, I mean, right. you, you write about going to the grocery store and you're in tears, you know, because of the control, right? Right, right. But, but at this point, when he, when he asked me to read the Bible, he had been through that period of anxiety and where, where looking back on it, God was working. So the control that he had had on me in our marriage was not there. So when he asked me to read the Bible, it was not anything to do with control. It was kind of a desperation of, mm. we need to do something different, and let's try this. So it was definitely, I didn't look at it as anything more than, wow, this is amazing that we're going to read the Bible together. But it strikes me that if you, what you really wanted and needed was a man in your life, and he, was, he had been a boy and just gratifying himself uh, through all of these different relationships and everything. When he came to the end of himself, he was needy, but he was probably more, I'll ask you, Tim, you were probably more of a man at that point realizing you needed help than ever before with all your controlling nature. Is that right? Yeah, once I was willing to surrender, uh, Chris, and literally realized I couldn't do it on my own. Like I was at the end of myself, like you said, and I share that. Um, I, I was go- my brother had passed away. He had stage four cancer and at 43 year old, years old died. And there was a couple other deaths that caused me to really kind of go through a spin cycle. And then also the economy changed back in 08. And I was in the middle of building my own kingdom. I called on earth. And honestly, I had nothing to give. I was done. I was completely toast. And I was going through grief counseling, and this pastor said to me, I've been a pastor for 
over 40 years. I've never had this conversation with another man. And in fact, I'm an interim pastor here. I could lose my job for this. And he says, Tim, the Lord's got a calling on your life, and it's not here. And you need to go find yourself a Jesus-loving Bible-teaching church and figure out what that calling was. Hmm. I want you to know I didn't know what a calling was. I went home and asked Cass. She didn't know, but she said she was in. And we started seeking that. And I had an aha moment through music. So later that year in 2009, on, on December 20th, there was, there was a song, which I found out by writing this book, that the song was actually not even planned that night. There was a, I'd never heard that song before in my life. There was a chant for that song. And the song's an old song called The Lighthouse. The lyrics are in the book. And that song played, and I literally felt the Holy Spirit come inside me. So that was the end of my old self. I mean, literally, I reached down to calf with tears in my eyes and said, Babe, our lives are going to change forever. We're going to go all in for Jesus. And that was the change, and we've never looked back. So it was these, these people, who, and a lot of different ones, people coming alongside you, but there, there are probably some people who said there is no hope for the Kathy, that you should not marry this guy. Or, Kathy, you ought to divorce this guy. Let him go. Did you have those voices in your head? Oh, yeah. Yeah, many, many different times and from different people. And, and you know, there was people who, who knew, you know, what had been going on. And so looking at it from the outside, it was like, yeah, it's, it's time to get out. And, but... I can truly say when when Tim when I saw Tim coming to the end of himself, I didn't want to go anywhere. Uh, that's when I truly felt like I was completely in. And once Christ was there, it was just like you know we we talked divorce a lot. I talked about it more because I didn't experience divorce as a child like Tim did, and Tim didn't want to ever drag our kids through that. So I think I was more talking about it. But after that, from the start of the anxiety to putting Christ in, it was like it's not even an option anymore. It's nothing. It's we don't even go there anymore because we are in this. We are in this marriage for good. We need to hear these kinds of stories. And if you're listening today and you're in a marriage and you say there just is not a whole lot of hope, I I get that. But as you hear what Tim and Kathy are talking about, the same power that is alive in their lives is the same power that brought Lazarus back from the dead. You know, there's no secret about it. And God can grab a hold. He may not do it exactly the way he's done it for Tim and Kathy or from Lazarus, for Lazarus as you, but that, that power is available to you. And I want to, uh, let me tell you, sex on the first date, Featured resource, go to chrisfabrylive.org. Dale is on the line in uh, Tennessee. Dale, why did you call today? Hey, I just called. uh, Y'all are a huge encouragement. It's like I'm living your story, (laughs) if that makes any sense. I'm alcoholic for, you know, well over 25 years and currently over four years sober now and going through it with my wife and, I, our lives are changed, and it's just now it's a, I don't want to call it a struggle per se, but just part of our journey to where it's, she's, she's still learning to forgive me for the things that I put her through, if that makes any sense. Yes. So it's just encouraging to me to know that, because everything that was, has been talked about is everything I, I've lived through. 
I, you know, the selfish, everything I did, I was doing it for my family, for my kids, for my wife, but really I wasn't. I was doing it for me out of pure selfishness, not acknowledging that the only reason I made it through any of those days and years is because God brought me through it for his purpose. And now I just have to live out what he has for me for my life. So has it been hard for you, Dale, once you've figured out, once you, you know, here's, here's what's going on in my life and what the problem is, and then you confess that, you ask for forgiveness from your wife, was it hard to let her go through the process of dealing with it, in, you know, over these last few years? Uh, yeah, it's, actually, it's, it's been, I don't say it's been hard having her deal with, you know, everything that I, that I've done, I guess it, it's hard, but it's, I don't know how to really explain it. It's, I'm grateful and thankful for her and for God, most of all, for me even still being in the picture with her. Cause there were so many times that she should have left me, you know, as a worldview and as a, even biblical, I believe, I mean, there's divorce is never the answer, but there is reasons for people to get divorced. And I, you know, me being a, alcoholic of physically abusive at times and you know mentally and mm-hmm. abusive she should have left she had all the right in the world to leave me but god's love through her and just him loving her she still loved me okay i want tim to talk to you humble. yeah i want okay. tim to talk to dale what do you say to him tim Dale, first off, confessing that takes a lot of uh, a lot of guts, and I, I'm glad you're. I'm glad you get it, and now you get now you can spend a lot more time, and you can honor the Lord by taking care of His daughter and loving her in a way that she would eventually, hopefully, tell you, "I love the way you're loving me," and even check in with her and say, "How am I loving in the loving you department? How could I do better?" Because honest, honestly, she's God's daughter. That's why she didn't leave. It was it, it, him pushing his Holy Spirit into her, saying, don't leave, don't leave. But bottom line is, now your job is to look at yourself, look in the mirror, how can I get over myself every day, die to myself, and love her better, even from emptying the dishwasher in the morning to maybe doing one thing extra or two things or just doing something out of the ordinary just to love her just a little bit more because she is God's daughter and she is your gift. And when you pray with her, if you don't pray with her, do it and say, Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the gift of my wife, in Jesus' name. Say that to her, and I think she would love it. Yeah. Kathy, what do you say to Dale? You know, Dale, when you were saying that you're really thankful that she didn't leave and she had all right to leave, and the the thing about this, and, the, and when we look at even the biblical reason that Jesus allowed for divorce, and the reason he did is it's because of when hearts when hearts get hard. And if, if there's a hard heart in a marriage, there's no way that you can grow and thrive and repair that marriage if there's a hard heart. So I think that looking, looking and being thankful that her heart didn't get hard and that your heart has not gotten hard, I think that's, that's the thing that we all need to keep in mind. When you're on the other end of a, a person confessing, if it's infidelity or whatever it is, the person that, that's receiving that confession, their heart has got to stay soft, and that's going to be the work of Christ in them. 
That's nothing that you can do on your side. That's just going to be the work of what God's doing. And so we're just as responsible on that end to grow that personal relationship with Christ and keep that soft heart. And that's where the forgiveness is going to come from. So that's good that her heart has stayed soft and continue to pray for soft hearts, because I think that's what that's what's going to grow a marriage. Dale, hang on. I want to see if we can uh, get your information, and we'll send you a copy of Tim and Kathy Bush's book, Sex on the First Date, A Story of a Broken Beginning to a Radically Transformed Marriage. There's one other aspect of the book we have to talk about, and that's their kids. They participate in this. We'll talk about that straight ahead on Moody Radio. Our remaining moments with Tim and Kathy Bush. One more time, let me tell you that our a gift to you this month for your support of any amount, if you're a friend or a partner with us, I want to send you Ron Hutchcraft's book, A Life, A Life. It starts with a life. A life that matters. Making the greatest possible difference with the rest of your life. I know it'll encourage you, and you'll encourage us. Just go to the website, chrisfabrylive.org chrisfabrylive.org, where you'll also find out about Tim and Kathy Bush's book, Sex on the First Date, the most provocatively titled book we've ever featured here on Chris Fabry Live, and you'll see why when you read it. Um, So you're given a lot of hope. The other thing that I see that's different about this, Kathy, is your children getting involved. Talk about that. Yeah, so we invited our kids in in to give their perspective on what they saw as we were gr- as they were growing up and as we went through our transformation. And so as we were writing the book, we would we were asking the kids to send us, you know, different ideas as they were going through the chapters. And I have to tell you when they started sending us these notes, they were a little hard to hear. We you know, we knew a lot of how they felt and but they they were the the call-out boxes that the kids have written in are very raw, it's, you know, before we came to Christ. And, and so they kept sending us these, these inputs of what they saw and how they felt. And finally, I'm like, can we get to the transformation? Can you guys say some things about it after we put Christ in our life? And they had some really cool things to say then. And so having their perspective, and we've, we have also done eight videos throughout the book, invite in our kids and our grandkids are in the videos. And so they're actually telling the story of what life was with mom and dad growing up and through transformation and, and how it affected them. And so it's not only giving you me and Tim's story, but it's also giving you the perspective from the kids and kind and of validating so, everything that we're saying. So important and so deep. And that's why I say this is a different, this is a different thing that I've ever seen. Tim, what was the most difficult for you to hear from your kids? Well, it was, it was, it was more the, uh, the things that they saw, like they explained how, cause I was a workaholic. It was the, the, the business things they saw. And in one of the call out boxes, my, um, our middle son, our oldest boy, he says, uh, he was introducing his, his wife now back then his girlfriend to the different people at the dealership. And he said, there's, there's our service manager. There's our parts manager. There's our office manager. And that's my dad's girlfriend. Mm. And, and 
the fact of the matter, he shared that with his wife, and she says, what? And those kind of things really hurt, because that's just not who I am today. I'm a completely different person today than I was then. And, uh, and, and there's, there's things like that, and the things that, that they said that I would share with them as a, as a boy back then, being a boy with a boy, being their friend, and not being their dad, not being a spiritual leader in any way. And, and there's consequences to those things. Even though, even though now, we, now we're, we are redeemed, we are forgiven, but there's still consequences to those things because they actually happened. Right. Uh, so it, it, there's, a, there's a lot to think about. There's a lot to wrap around and frame that up, but it would probably take a couple more shows, Chris. <laughs> that's why you, you read the book. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm down for the struggle. What do you say to the man who's listening right now who's been working really hard, he's tried to provide, he's trying to put f- food on the table and everything, and he's working three jobs or four or however many it takes, and he really feels good about being able to provide, but his his work has, has consumed him. What do you say to him? Well, I think you got yourself wrapped in, in, in the wrong place. I, I did that when I finally broke. I mean, mentally broke. I, I had several businesses and uh, a lot of employees, and I couldn't even come to work. I mean, I couldn't talk to anybody. I was debilitated, and so that all got taken away. But once I, once I came to the Lord, like I was a BMW dealer, and. A franchise dealer, and we we closed immediately on Sundays, and we changed the music in the dealership, and we took all the car pictures off the wall and put Fruit of the Spirit paintings, all the all the TV. We had seven uh, uh, TV monitors, and they had uh, anywhere from specials to ESPN to different things that were on there. We took all those off, and I had a series of of uh, scriptures that were running through there. But the funny thing is, we sold more cars, and people were more. People liked it, and and we had, but we had issues in the family. I mean, our youngest son, he didn't like the fact that I was putting that the music on the things I was doing, and we had a conversation about it, and it was a really tough conversation. He says, "Dad, I don't even know you anymore," and I said, "Well, what do you mean?" He told me, and I says, "Well, did you like me better then, or do you like me better now?" And he says, well, when you say it that way, I like you better now. So we just went back to work, and, we, and not too long after that, he came to Christ. So that was, that, was, that was a seed planted. But I can tell you, that's what's at stake. The things that we do as a man, as a dad, as a grandpa, those things are huge. And you got to realize you're modeling to your kids, to your grandchildren, and that model could go to generations you might not even know even 100 years from now. So what you do today matters. You know, that just points out the truth that in this story, there's not a bit of it that's easy. There's a lot that's hard, but so much that's good. Tim and Kathy Bush, thanks for being here. Again, go to the website, chrisfabrylive.org. Sex on the First Date is our featured resource, and our program's a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.